Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you would please, Romans chapter 8. You know, when you have an intention on doing some things, God speaks to your heart and says, I'm going to do it different. Doesn't he? He just says, I'm going to do it different. Because I had every intention on doing something different this evening, but he says, I'm going to do it different. And all you can say is, yes, sir. Amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Some things I know that, that the Spirit of God wants me to bring out unto us this evening. And uh, we're going to pursue that. Actually, I've got enough probably to teach for about six weeks on this subject. It's just so full of it. But we'll give what we can give out this evening and leave God for the increase. Our Father, in Jesus' name, as we approach your word, we do so knowing, dear Father God, that we have ears to hear, hearts that are receptive, minds that are open, attentive ears, so that we could receive the deep, rich treasures of your word, golden nuggets of truth, Father God, that will lead us into a pathway of righteousness and life. I thank you for each and every one, dear Father God, of us being living epistles of living Christ, known and read of all men, carrying out your purpose, program, and will. I thank you for the Spirit's function and anointing to bring forth the word and demonstration of the Spirit and the power. And I thank you that it will not return void, Father God, but it will accomplish what you please and prosper and do the thing which you send it. We bless you for it. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In case you haven't done this already in your Bible, you could write it down in there. This is the most, used scripture, most misused scripture in the Bible. Misrepresented and misused scripture that I probably think I've ever heard of in the Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according unto His purpose. This, this evening I want to spend some time correcting some things that, that need to be corrected in the minds of believers. And I believe with all my heart that it will bring direction to our spirit, illumination to our minds, so that we can begin to have our minds renewed. You know, James says, get your mind delivered from those corrupt reasoning faculties. Get yourself delivered. Your mind needs to be saved. James 1, 21, he said, your mind needs to be saved. Our minds need to be saved. We need to be delivered, in other words, from our corrupt reasoning faculties. Our spirits need to receive the engrafted Word of God that is able to deliver ourselves from our corrupt reasoning faculties because the mind, the human mind, the natural mind doesn't understand the things of God. Just doesn't understand it. So, you see, we get right away into the Word of God. We get saved and we start reading God's Word. And right away we start listening to some winds of doctrine, hearing what people say about certain Scriptures and taking them and believing them. Now, this Scripture has been the most misused Scripture, I think, ever since I've been, been a morning Christian, most misused Scripture I, I've ever heard. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And they use this Scripture to come up with a, a certain doctrine, like a, almost like a wilderness experience. Everything that happens, see, happens for a reason and God's going to get some good out of it or He's going to make some good come out of it in your life. Well, let's just start with this first misconception or misconceived idea. Some people think that just because I'm a Christian, automatically God is supposed to move on my behalf whenever trouble comes or adversity comes in my life. 
And so they say, since I am a believer and a faithful Christian, I go to church and I pay my tithes and I do those things, that if God doesn't move to deliver me, or if I said a prayer and I didn't get it answered, well, then consequently it means God wants this experience to happen in my life, or He allows this experience to happen in my life, so that I could become closer to Jesus. Well, you know, I mean, you, could, uh, you listen to that and you, you, you start to rationalize that out. Some people, they believe that. And I, I believe the reason why they believe that is because they don't get a thorough understanding of the, the covenant. They don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't understand the rights and privileges. They don't understand uh, some types and shadows, which I would like to get into this evening. They don't understand it. And so they just take these ideas that they heard from some famous preacher. He preached it. He said that. And so they take it and say, yeah, this is working together for my good. Well... I shared with you briefly last time, and I just want to expound on this. I want to elaborate on it. I don't want to, you know, put the person down that was involved in it. It's not my intention. Please accept it as it truly is given in a heart of love. Receive it. And, and I pray that nobody be offended by it, especially um, if anyone knows the, the instance or the, the thing that occurred. I've heard many, many, many different things used concerning this scripture, like, you know, your child was in a car accident or in a wreck or whatever, and, and maybe they died. And then someone will come along and say, well, you know, that's working together for your good. All things work together for good, and that work together for your good so that, you know, you can become closer to Jesus, so that you can grow in your faith. You had to experience that. If you didn't experience that, then you'd never grow up or develop spiritually as you should. Well, then someone says, this sickness or this disease that's in my body, it's been there for 25 years, and, and you know, it's there because that's my wilderness experience. I'm just growing by this thing. It's going to get me closer to Jesus. I'm just going to have this inside my body. I'm, it's working together for my good. And they're taught that and they believe that. Calamities happen. Houses burn down. Car wrecks. Anything you can imagine. Things, you know, you could just name. And people think, well, all things are working together for good. And it's going to work together for my good. They don't ever know what that good is. But they're, they're led to believe that, see. And in some cases... The people will get closer to Jesus, not because of the experience, but because they had the experience and made them get in their Bibles, made them study the Word of God. You know, you can study the Bible without getting an experience. You can study the, the Bible without having to fall down and break your arm. Can you say amen? I can study the Bible. I don't need somebody to, to hit my car to get me to study the Bible or listen to God. How about you? See, I'm here tonight to just read my Bible, just study it right here. Father, you don't have to twist my arm or get somebody to break it so that I can study your word. I'll grow closer to you just as I am. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, this one, as far as I was concerned, was the most drastic thing I ever heard of. And, and again, I want to elaborate on it and just give it out to you and, and, and just pray that you receive it and understand it. And then get rid of this doctrine once and for all. This individual, this, this here particular woman, God bless her heart. Right now, I pray for her. I pray that she can get back to where she needs to be in God. And I pray that God will move by His Spirit upon her heart to, to straighten out her thinking and to help her to get to a place that she avoids this and never happened again in her life. But she said that this one evening or, or one afternoon, her, her husband left the house and went to play golf somewhere. And she was left and she was doing her chores and her baby was sleeping in the bedroom. And an individual came with a stocking mask over his face and forced himself into the house. God, God didn't, scared her, put a knife to her, and then finally ended up raping her. And, uh, of course, it devastated her. During the process of it, she, before it happened, she says that I'm a Christian. It's about all she said is, I'm a Christian. She said, but it didn't seem to matter. He made me do it anyhow. 
Well, of course, to experience something like that, you know, would devastate you. Any individual. No question about it. And she was heartbroken. She didn't know what to do. She was on, on the verge of practically just a nervous breakdown. Just didn't know what to do. Well, finally, some, you know, she talked to a minister. At first, she didn't want to go back to work because she didn't want to tell the, the, the people that she worked that God allowed this. Because, see, they weren't Christians. She was a Christian. She said, but how was they going to go back there? They wouldn't understand when I tell them that God allowed this to happen to me so, you know, so that, so that I can grow up and, you know, grow better in my relationship with the Lord. So she says they would understand that. So she went to a pastor and he counseled her and told her that allow God to use this experience for good. And finally she came to the conclusion that she thanks the Lord for this experience because this experience has drawn her closer to Jesus. Now, beloved, I've heard of, I've heard of some things that people have said that have drawn them closer to Jesus. But I've never heard anybody having to experience such a traumatic experience and then end up actually believing that God allowed this to happen so that she could be drawn closer to Jesus. Now, I don't know where your thinking is at on this, but I'll tell you something right now. If that was the kind of God we serve, I'd have to say I wouldn't want to serve Him. If my wife would have to, to get closer to Jesus, I'd have to say, look, you ladies, don't want to get closer to Don't try to get closer to Jesus. Just let them know right now, you're, you're okay where you're at. I don't want to get any closer. Can you imagine having a church praying that this would happen to everybody in the church so they can get closer to Jesus? I can't, you know, it, it wouldn't be funny. It wasn't so pathetic. But my brothers and my sisters, this is just an abomination in, in, in the sight of our living God. He's a holy God. How can anybody even fathom in their mind that God would allow this to happen so that person can get closer to Jesus? It's beyond me. It's beyond words. It's beyond my imagination. I can't even fathom that. I can't see how any Christian counselor could say, allow God to do some good out of this thing, make you closer to Jesus because of this experience. No. No, no, no. No, this is wrong. God doesn't do this. He never did, never will. Not only, does, not only doesn't he do that, but he doesn't cause the calamities. He doesn't cause the airplane wrecks. He doesn't cause the car wrecks. He doesn't take our children before their time. He doesn't cause things to happen in anybody's life and then say, well, this was just working together for your good. This concept, I don't know, I don't know where it came from. I, I know where it came from. It came from the devil, doctrine of the devil. But how people can actually take a hold of this kind of teaching and believe it and then act on it and just, just, just be satisfied with it is beyond me. You say, well, you know, at least this kind of teaching helped her to, to gain her sanity again and, 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 you know, to be all right, a little bit more stable. Did it really? What would, if, what would happen if this individual tried that again? Is she supposed to be led to believe, to think, oh, God just wants me to get even closer? Or should she learn the word of faith? And should she learn the name of Jesus and the power that's in that name? And how to use that name and realize that the power in the name of Jesus would protect. See, I want to talk to you about growing faith tonight. And just, just to go to the other side of that, this, this happened to another woman. She almost happened to another woman. And, and uh, she had just been to some faith teachings, some meetings, and she was listening to the Word of Faith. And she, too, went back to her apartment or, or hotel room, wherever she was staying, and an individual broke in and tried to do the same thing to her. 
But she remembered what she was taught. And she turned around and she looked that fellow right eyeball to eyeball and said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you won't touch me. That man put on his clothes and ran out the door down the hallway faster than you can... What, what was the difference? Now, if someone tells me that God needed to teach this one, so he allowed that, but God didn't need to teach this one, I just think I just say it's time to go home. Beloved, God does not go against his principles. He does not go against his teachings. He said to flee from fornication and anything, anything that, that would defile the human body. Why would he allow something like that? To say that my God allowed that, to say that your father allowed that, is just practically like a slap in the face. He doesn't allow those things. But you see, beloved, there is protection for us, there is deliverance for us, there is provision for us, but it comes by appropriating the word of, through the Word of God, the provisions of God by faith. He has provided every good thing for us. And He's provided protection for the believer from such things. And I want to share with you this evening how we can enlarge our faith or expand our faith or grow to a place that, that our faith can be the God kind of faith in every realm or every area of life so that our faith will be productive so as to protect these individuals, to protect the ladies, to protect men on their job, to protect us in every area of life. See, the disciples had an understanding of faith in some areas, but they didn't have an understanding of faith in every area. We saw them coming back from the ministry when Jesus sent them out to heal the sick. And they healed the sick and they cast out devils because He gave them the, the, the authority to do that when they came back. But then we saw them unable to stop a storm. Then we saw them unable to cast out a devil who was in some man's son. Then we saw them unable to multiply the loaves and the fishes. And then we saw them unable to pay their taxes. And then we saw them unable to do a lot of other things that they could have learned how to do by faith. But you see, they didn't have their faith enlarged or expanded or it didn't branch out into the other areas of life. And that's why when they came before the Lord, I want to get into this tonight, and said, increase our faith. He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed. It starts as a seed. It has to grow and then it branches out and it gets into every area of life. Just because I've got faith to believe God will heal my child does not mean I have faith to believe God will provide your need. Just because I have faith to believe that God will do this or receive the Holy Ghost or whatever doesn't mean I have faith to believe that I can walk out there on that water. If I want faith to walk on the water, I've got to go get a seed. A seed. If I want faith or protection from a man who would try to assault me or a woman or whoever it is, then I've got to get faith as a seed and put it in my heart and allow it to become the God kind of faith to reproduce after its own kind. And then that faith will protect me. But if I don't, beloved, if I don't get out there and claim the promises or take the promises before us, it just doesn't work that way. It's not going to happen. See, that's why the writer of Hebrews says, labor to get into that rest. Labor to enter into a place that you're entering into the fullness of the provisions of God. Just because I've got faith to get healed from a cold doesn't mean I've got faith to get healed from cancer. Oh, the faith is there. But the development or the growth of it is not. And that's why it's important that each and every person realize and understand the process of faith, how the kingdom of God works. Another misconception. Some people think, well, if I just hang on for a while, if I just hold on for a while, eventually God will see my good works, God will see that I'm a pretty good guy, and then finally He's going to come down here and deliver me or heal me or provide something for me. But again, see, the truth of the matter is God has already made provision. 
He has already made provision for, for each and every individual in the body of Christ. Provision was made before the child was born. I don't know about you with your children, but before my child came into the world, I already had Similac. I already had a bed, a crib. I already had everything that child needed. And when that child was born, all that it needed was provided. It was there. God didn't give birth to us and not make provision. He made provision first, then gave birth to us. So you see, that's why if you want saved, the blood has already been shed. All you need to do is receive it. That's why if you want healed, the body's already been broken. All you need to do is receive it. That's why if you want the Holy Ghost, He's already been given. All you got to do is get out there and receive it. If you want protection, provision has already been made. Jesus already bargained out with the Father and said, Father, in this covenant, I want, to, I want you to protect them from the evil of this age. There shall no evil happen unto the righteous. It's already out there. All you need to do is do what? Receive it. How do I do that? By enlarging or expanding my faith or allowing the faith of God to be enlarged in me or expanded in me or to branch out into other areas of life. It's like the kingdom of God starts inside you, but when that kingdom of God is, is imparted to your spirit or starts inside you, it doesn't just start out by overtaking or overcoming you. See, it doesn't do that. The kingdom of God comes inside your heart as a seed. So is the kingdom of God, Jesus said, as a mustard seed. And it starts out inside your spirit. Actually, if I could say it this way, it starts out in the living room of your heart. It starts out in the living room of your heart. It doesn't just overtake your whole life. But you see, it wants to work its way into the den. It wants to work its way into the bedroom. And it wants to work its way into the kitchen. How many of you have Jesus living in the living room of your heart? You gave Jesus living room, right? In your heart? That's faith for salvation. That's faith to be saved. You've got faith to be saved. You're born again. Jesus is living in your heart. You've exercised the God kind of faith to be born again. And He's living inside your heart. But now listen. The, the kitchen is where you eat. And when your brother or sister is in need and the Father speaks to your heart and says, I want you to fast and pray today for your brother or your sister because I want to do a work and I need you to fast and pray. And you say, now Lord, you know my, my wife's making steaks today. And Lord, you know that there's a side dish of spaghetti or lasagna to go with it. And you know that she's got cake and ice cream for dessert. And you know that all these things I like to eat. And so finally you say, I'm convinced I'll pray for her tomorrow. See, Jesus, the dominion of God, the kingdom of God, the domain of God has not as of yet entered into the kitchen of your heart. Hasn't made its way in yet. But if you say, Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Sure as you've asked me, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it just for you. And I'm going to do it right now. I won't eat today. I'm going to pray. Just do exactly what you told me to say. Then the domain of God has now left. Not only is it in the living room of your heart, but it's entered into the kitchen. Now, the den, that's the place where the TV's at what the activities of life are, social activities. And some of you fellows out there say, you're watching that Super Bowl game and it's, or you're watching uh, whatever, the World Series. And I mean to tell you, it's going into overtime. It's going into, you know, extra innings or overtime. And you're sitting on the edge of your seat and your eyeballs are sticking about a half inch out of your head. <laughs> and I mean to tell you, your heart is just going 100 mile an hour. 
and you're wanting to see what's going on. You want to see that next play. You, just need, you need to see what's going on there. And the Spirit of God speaks to you in spite of all that. And says, says to your heart, you need to get back there and pray. Someone needs you to pray right now. I need you to pray right now. I need, to, I need you to stand the gap. I need you to intervene for somebody. And you say, Lord, you know, this is the play of the year. You know, I, I, have, you know, I'm, I have to see this. And you're at warring between the two. Now, you ladies, you might be watching something different. I don't know about you. You know, maybe you don't like sports or you may be doing something different. But you see, the idea is if, if we don't yield to the domain of God, to the dominion of God, to the rule of God, to the lordship of Jesus Christ inside the heart in these areas, well, then, see, he's not going to be lord over those areas. And see, this kingdom of God that's within us, that it says a grain of mustard seed, it's only going to grow and branch out. Notice this branching out. It's only going to branch out when we yield. If we don't yield, it's not going to branch out. See, that's, that's why he wants us... To, just as the kingdom, it doesn't overtake you all at once. It just doesn't come on to you and say, well, all of, you're, you're born again, yes, Christ is in you, yes, but he's just living in, in a part of that. He wants every area of your life. He just doesn't take the whole thing like that. But you see, it grows. It develops until it branches out into every avenue of our life and then it overtakes us. Now, the bedroom of your heart. Now, that's where uh, the Lord speaks to you at night and He says, I want you to pray for a while this evening. I want you to get in your Word and read something here for a while or spend some couple hours in prayer or whatever. Maybe even spend a night in prayer. And you say, but Lord, you know, I've you know, I got to get up early in the morning and you know I need my sleep. And you really want me to pray? See, it all depends on what you do. If you yield to it, then the kingdom of God, the domain of God is going to grow inside you. But if you don't yield to it, and 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 if you don't yield to it, then before you know it, your heart's going to be seared. And the domain of God, the meaning of God is not going to develop, not going to grow inside you. And it's only going to overtake a part of you. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus living in more than just the living room of my house. I want him living in every area. Do you? talking about this house right here, this domain. And when he speaks to our hearts to respond, to act, so that this kingdom of God can be developed and can grow inside of us and overtake us and branch out into every area of our life. Well, this is the same thing with faith. See, faith, it's the same principle. Faith is the same way. As a matter of fact, let's go here real quick to Luke chapter 17. And... Let's notice that, Luke chapter 17, notice in verse 5 and 6. I want you to notice that it's faith that moves the hand of God. It's faith that moves the hand of God. And if we don't have faith in a certain area of our life, if it's for protection, then the hand of God's not going to be moved. It's not going to move because you're a good Christian. It's not going to move because you're holding on until the end. It's not going to move just because I'm going to church and paying my tithes and doing things that I'm supposed to do. That doesn't move the hand of God. It's faith that moves the hand of God. It's acting upon His redemptive plan that, warp, that moves His hand and causes Him to move on our behalf. It's not just because I've been going three times a week or I've been singing or playing or, or whatever and even doing the things that we should be doing. Those are the things we should be doing as a believer. See, it, the, the disciples knew this. And so that's why they says, Lord, expand or enlarge or increase our faith. Look at chapter 17, verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now, hold on for a minute. 
Hold on. He said, they said, increase our faith. But you know what? These individuals, if you just read back, go back to the 10th chapter, you can find out that, that they cast out devils and raised the dead. You go back to the 9th chapter and the 12 that, he was, that were here talking, asking to increase our faith. They were involved in getting people delivered, healed and set free. What's he talking about? Increase our faith. They saw the limitations. They saw the need of humanity. They saw the need to have faith in every area of life, not just to get people healed. Although it can be increased in that area in helping people. And, it, you know, we should want our faith to be increased to help other people, to get them delivered. But also I want you to see something else here. He's talking about there is an, all, an increase of faith or the, the faith of God that's sown as a seed inside of our heart. The God kind of faith that can increase and begin to branch out into every area of our life. It's the same kind of faith, but it branches out. And that's why Jesus answered like this. The Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say that a sycamine tree be thou plucked up by the root and be planted into the sea and it would obey you. Well, why is he liking it unto a mustard seed? He's not talking about small faith or tiny faith just because it's the tiniest of all seeds that are in the earth. He's not talking just because it's tiny. But he says, as a grain of mustard seed does what? You saw in Mark 4, I quoted to you Mark 4.30, it says, as a grain of mustard seed, the kingdom of God is planted inside your heart. Then it's going to grow up and shoot out, branch out. Shoot out branches so that the birds of the air can, you know, the fowls can just come and make a nest there and just relax under the shadow of it. Well, it's the same thing with faith. Our faith must branch out into every area of life. Every area of life. He's not talking about tiny faith. He's talk, really talking about great faith. Faith that can remove mountains. Faith that can uproot trees. Because, you see, every individual has the measure of faith, the God kind of faith. But that faith can increase. Remember Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica? He says, your faith groweth exceedingly. Exceedingly growing faith is faith that's growing in every area of your life. And if it's in the area of healing and you're only able to heal yourself of a headache or get healed of a headache or a small thing, well, then don't think that you have great faith in that area. You just keep on using that faith and developing that faith and doing what it takes or what's required so that that faith can become great faith as a seed growing up into a tree. And then your faith will develop and grow to a place that it's great faith, doing great things. Now, some of our theologians have said in some of our commentaries that are written up, you ever read them? I tell you what, sometimes I just say, well, I'm going to read this here commentary. I'm going to read. And I start reading that and all, of a, all I see in there is doubt and unbelief. And I'm going, I can't believe that they, that, that they, how could they miss this? But then I begin to see it. The theologian says that, and some of the commentators have said, Jesus meant that if you have tiny faith, then even tiny faith in a great God will get great results. Now, that may be poetic, but it's untrue. Because when Peter was walking out of the water, Jesus said, you got a little faith. And he almost drowned, didn't he? Yeah, I know Jesus saved him, but his faith didn't do it. His faith was supposed to get him there and back. Now, great faith started to walk, but then it wavered. And Jesus said, you've got little faith. That's why he wavered. So, you see, they didn't realize that, did they? See, Peter was one of those that cast out devils by the authority of the name of Jesus. He had faith to do that. But, you see, he recognized something that, that is they saw the, the need of, of, of the human, human need, and also the need in their own life. They had a need for this great faith. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. So he wasn't saying tiny faith. Tiny faith isn't going to get the job done. It's going to be faith that grows as a mustard seed and develops and branches out into every area of your life. So that just as you cast out that devil, you can say, I adjure thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not touch my body. Be gone. Out the door. 
Or you can say, My God supplieth all my need according to His riches of glory by Christ Jesus, and it shall be done unto you. Or you can say, Cancerous tumor, leave that body down, Jesus' name, and it shall be gone. Thou shalt say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. But you see, he's talking about a development of faith branching out into every area of life. I know I have a greater amount of faith when it comes to laying hands on, 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 on individuals who, who you know, cannot conceive or have children. Because that was one of the first times I used my faith in that area was with my own wife. And when I ran home and just did that, you know, I just, and a miracle just instantaneously took place. It seemed like, yeah, praise God. I'll, you know, I know that God does that and I have a greater amount of faith in that area. Just a greater amount of faith. Because of that which I've experienced in the use of my faith in that area. Well, the, uh, the, the theologian would say, like I said here, that, that this tiny faith would do it. But I want to show you the difference between a theologian and a farmer. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm not a theologian. I don't claim to be a theologian. I'm a farmer. Because you see, you know what the, the theologian does with, with the seed of faith? He takes that seed. See, God's words, they're seeds. Seed of divine life. Seed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Seed of faith to be healed. Seed of faith to be delivered. And the theologian takes a hold of that seed and he looks at it. He studies it. He analyzes it. He calls in a conference with some other theologians and they sit down and they look at it. Yeah. Finally, they come to a conclusion or to, to a decision. We better package that thing in a little baggie or something and file it. We may get back to it after a while. And there is a seed of faith. There is a seed of life. A seed that can produce. But you see, there's no power in it. It's powerless. It's ineffective. It's in a filing cabinet somewhere. It's not in the ground of the heart. But the farmer, you know what he does with it? Go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. The farmer does this. Here's what the farmer does. Verse 26. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The farmer follows the instructions of Jesus and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow up and knoweth not how for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself first the blade then the ear after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And what he does, see what this person does, the farmer does, he takes a hold of that seed and he prepares the soil of his heart. He doesn't just study it and analyze it, define it, go over it, call a conference. He looks at that, takes that seed and he says, ah, this is going to produce fruit. He knows what to do with it. Beloved, farmers know, know what to do with seeds. It nourishes it, watches over it, until it brings forth the fruit thereof. See, that's, that's the difference between the theologian and a, and a farmer. A farmer is going to do it the way that it's going to produce fruit. Well, the theologian, and I'm talking about many of them, not all, but many, that will do it this way. And that's why they have no power. That's why many are not even born again. Because it's the seed of God's Word that's born inside the heart, that's birthed inside the heart, that you put inside the heart. Being born again, not a comfortable seed, but of what? By the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. So you see, the, the increase of faith that they were talking about was not necessarily just a, that Lord do something miraculously inside my heart that can make me instantaneously have faith, a great amount of faith. That's not what 
you know, that may have been what they were asking, but the answer that Jesus gave was not that. And Jesus' answer will really help us to, from, you know, being discouraged. Jesus said that I can't, and I'm paraphrasing, really, I can't grant you your request. I can't just get a hold of my hand and just put my hand inside your heart and just cause your faith to be great. He said if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. In other words, the Word has life and power or faith in it. And if you'll take a hold of the seed of faith and put it inside your heart, then if you'll nourish it, protect it, and care for it, and provide all that it needs, then eventually it will grow up and begin to branch out in every area of your life. But you're going to have to take seeds. If you want to be free from sickness, you're going to have to take the seed of faith in God's Word, put it inside your heart, nurture it, develop it, care for it, watch it grow and develop to a guest to a place where finally, you know, you're walking free. You have great faith in that area. But you know what? While you're using your faith in that area, the devil's going to come along. He might hit you in the head with this other area. And you're going to say, hey, I have, I have need of faith to have my finances met. And so you go to God's Word. He supplies all my need. And you get a seed of God's Word. You put it inside your heart. And so you say, well, I'm going to start over here. And I'm going to start developing and increasing my faith over here. And all of a sudden, boom, a cold comes. And you go, well, wait a minute. I'm going to go back over here. And I'm going to get a hold of God's Word again. And before you know you're bouncing around. And you're going, what is this? What's going on? Well, I've got faith. I just had a miracle last week. Well, that's good. But you can't live by yesterday's manna. And you just, not every individual has this kind of faith in every area of life. It needs to branch out into every area, and it comes by the same way, by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If you want to be protected, in other words, we got to take a hold of the seed of God's Word, get that seed, and put it inside our heart as a grain of mustard seed and allow it to grow to strong faith. How do I do that? He said right there that the farmer gets a hold of the Word and puts it inside of his heart by day and by night. And so, you see, that's why we made up our confession sheets. I know some don't like formulas, but bless God, sometimes, you know, we need to have some Bible aids and helps. And some of the sheets, will, you know, just some scriptures that will say, if you want protection, start saying this. Start saying this. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God has delivered me from this present evil age. No, no, show no evil happen unto the righteous. I am the righteous, and, and God's word is alive in me. In the name of Jesus, keeps me free from calamity. And uh, no evil shall befall me. No plague come down my dwelling. But day and by night, 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 but day and by night. And all of a sudden, he knoweth not how, but it springs up inside of him and begins to branch out and takes over his life and his heart. Faith develops for protection. And you know that you are protected of the Lord. Now, you see, the difference between these two ladies was one feared, immediately acted on fear. And, and I, look, I don't blame her for fearing. I'll tell you what, if you, if you, I won't speak. You have to be there. You have to be there in that position to see what you're going to do. All I'm saying is this. We need to humble ourselves to the Word of God. Humble ourselves to God. Bow our knee to the Word of God. Positions have come my way where fear has gotten a hold of me, grabbed a hold of me, but I had to bow my knee to the Word of God. And although fear was there, I didn't act on it. I acted on the Word. And beloved, that's not an easy thing to do. Unless you continue to feed the Word inside your spirit for day and by night, 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 then it's just going to grow up inside you. You know it not how, but it'll grow up. It'll begin to be just like that tree planted by the rivers of water. And then when a calamity comes away, and I, I shared this testimony with you before, but I, I believe it bears repetition right here. When I, we say all the time with my daughter, 
No evil will befall you. No plague can lie dwelling. There's no evil happen unto you. You are the righteous of the Lord. You know, and, and the angels of charge over thee, so on and so forth. Just saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And uh, one day she got out of the car, went to dart across the street. And the truck was coming about 50 miles an hour down the road, right around a bend where you couldn't see it. And she, she was halfway in the middle of the street. You know, and, and I had Jason in one arm and I was opening up, the, had a back seat with the other hand. And, and the, the instantaneous reaction, I, I don't even know how I got to that fast. Maybe an angel of the Lord had pushed my hand, but I went like that there. And I just caught her, her sleep or wrist, right by her wrist. There, and snapped her back and she... Pushed her right, right, threw her right into the car. And as soon as she hit the car, that thing went whizzing by. I mean, 50 mile an hour in that truck. And the first thing that rose up inside my heart was, in your pathway's life, and there's no death. In your pathway's life, there's no death. People can't tell me that there's no value in, in, in confessing God's word daily. You can't tell me that. In your pathway's life. You see, if these would have understood Romans 8:28, if they would have not accepted that kind of a doctrine... They will not accept that to say that whatever happens in my life and this wilderness experience is coming from God if He doesn't deliver me, you see, to teach me a lesson. They, we all should know this. The wilderness experience, if you want a definition of it, write it down. Here, there's, there's three things. There is a planting season, there is a growing season, and there is a reaping season. A planting season, a growing season, and a reaping season. We've got to plant the seed into our heart. Then there's going to be a growing season, a time of growth. And then there's going to be a reaping season. And if you compare that with, with Israel's wilderness experience, you'll find out that, first of all, the kingdom was planted when they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage. But the growing experience was in the wilderness, which was supposed to be as short as possible to get them all the way into Canaan's land. And Canaan's land was supposed to be the place where they were to enter in the promise of God, a land full of milk and honey. That wilderness experience is not what people have defined it to be. Some say, well, this is just, you know, we've got to go through wilderness experiences. Do you know where wilderness experiences take you? In the wilderness, and they keep you there until you die. They never get you into the promised land. So no matter what the promise was, you're not going to enter into it if you stay in that wilderness. So the wilderness experience, all that is a time of growing that that seed you've been sowing into your heart by faith, you've been speaking it inside you, that is, there's going to come a time that in that wilderness, the devil's going to come along and he's going to try to do all kinds of things to you to get that seed out of you. So you abort that thing. And if you get that you know, out of your spirit, then it will not become the God kind of faith. And if he can get that out of you by making you think, oh, yeah, God just doing this to me just for a reason, just to see, you know, if I can bear up under it, maybe he's going to make me closer to Jesus, then you won't fight against it. And the seed is gone. You abort the plan of God, the power of God. And in that area of your life, you may think that it's God's will you stay that way and you'll never get into the promised land. Never enter in. In that growing period, you see, beloved, we need to understand that God's Word does not automatically become great faith inside the heart. It is a process of growth. And it will increase and expand and enlarge into every area of our life if we'll allow it as the kingdom develops and grows and overtakes the living room, the dining room, the whatever, every, you know, the, 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 the den and the bedroom and it t- overtakes all of us. Well, the same thing. He used the same description. He says it's as a grain of mustard seed. 
It will also grow up inside you. It will develop inside you. It will overtake you in every area of your life. See, the, the gifts and the promises of God are not automatic. They are divinely appropriated by knowing the plan of God, by knowing the redemptive work of Christ, by knowing what is yours and mine in Christ Jesus. And then it's brought into being by us using our faith to release the power of God or the provision of God. And when we, by our faith, release the provision of God, then the hand of God is moved. But you see, if we don't use our faith to release the power of God, then the power of God is ineffective, inoperative. And that's why he told him in the book of Hebrews that if you don't mix faith with the gospel, the power of God, although it's the gospel, the power of God is ineffective. And that's why their traditions made the word of God ineffective, null and void. Because, you see, they were just going through a ritual. They are going through a form. And that's why a lot of Christians get in that stage. Well, I go to church three times a week, and I'm, you know, I'm paying my tithes, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm helping out in the church and this. And then something comes their way, and they, they can't get delivered from it. And they say, well, I'm still going to church. Figure if I wait long enough, God's going to deliver me. If I just, you know, just, just long enough that, that arthritis will go, or that rheumatism will leave. If I just wait just long enough, I know that my need will be met someday. Beloved, God does not move that way. He'll never, never, never get it across to you that way. There comes a time that we got to, well, every time we've got to use our faith. God has already moved. He's already done all He's going to do. He's already provided all He's going to provide. We need to tap into the provision by using our faith. It's like playing checkers. If you think about it, you go back to the beginning and we see that God moved. God made the first move. And in that first move, you know what He did? He made a perfect place for man to live. And then man made a move. Adam made a move. And when Adam moved, he moved wrong. And you know what happens in checkers if you move wrong? You get jumped. And the devil jumped all over Adam. He made his move. And everything was lost. Well, God says the game's not over. I'm still playing. It's my move. So God moved again. And when he moved, he sent Jesus. The second Adam. And when the second Adam had his turn to move, he didn't move wrong. He moved correctly. And when he moved correctly, the devil was his turn. He moved wrong. He crucified the Lord of glory. I want you to see it now. Now the devil moved wrong. And because he moved wrong, it was now God's turn. He crucified the Lord of glory. So you know what God did since my move? He gave life to the Lord of glory. Then it was Jesus' move. And he jumped the devil. Oh, glory. I mean, he jumped all over the devil. Was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he whispered from heaven, It's your move. To you and me. It's our move. It's our move. What's he talking about? It's your move. I've already destroyed the devil. I've already defeated him. I already brought him to naught. It is your move. You use your faith and you make your move. Don't make it wrong. Make it right. You make a wrong move, the devil will jump on you. But if you make the right move, you'll jump all over the devil also. See, it's our move. It's what we do with it now. It's in our hands right now. He's given all the authority unto us. We make the next move. It's a move of faith. If it's a move of faith, we're going to be victorious. Well, I wonder if... Well, let's go to the scripture over here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See if we could tie some things together here. 
See, beloved, the things in the wilderness experience did not work together for Israel's good. That wilderness experience is a growing period where God will allow a certain amount of time for, the, for those that are new to the faith, those that have been born again, to grow up. Please listen. I wanted to use this. I wanted to start from the very beginning here in the book of Hebrews and just go right on through this. But I want you to see that when Israel failed to enter into the promised land, it was through doubt and unbelief. They failed to enter into the land of milk and honey where there would be no miscarriages, no sicknesses, no disease, where God would be an enemy to their enemies and adversaries, all that. And they failed to enter in because of their unbelief. But I want you to notice that from the time they were delivered from Egypt, which is a time of our deliverance from Satan, and they got out there, they were set free, got across the river, they were baptized in Moses, the cloud, the Red Sea, got to the other side, that from that point on, they had a time period, which is the growing season or the wilderness experience. That's a time that God will allow a little bit of murmuring, a little bit of complaining, a little bit of doubt and unbelief, you know, because you're just saved. You just got delivered from the powers of darkness. Now you're a born again town of God. The promised land, as you see, is over there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, to get into the fullness of that, it takes growth and maturity. So he'll put up with some doubt and unbelief in this time period, which is the growing season. And he'll put up with a little bit for a while, murmuring and complaining and etc., etc. But there comes a time, there's going to come a day in areas of our life that we stand face to face with the promised land. We stand face to face and something that we do is going to either put us in or keep us out. And when we stand there, and we see what is promised us. And the time has come that we should be teachers and not those that have need again to go back to the first principles of the oracles of God like they did. When we get to a place where we see, yes, we can take that land. We can possess that land. We can enter into that land like Joshua and Caleb did. Well, it's either it's time for us to go in or be kept out. See, and that's why it's vitally important in every area of our life that we labor, we use speed to get into the Word, to get faith developed in every area of our life because that growing season is going to be for so long. At a certain place in our walk, our hearts can become seared and we'll never get a hold of it. And if we don't, we're not going to have any help from Egypt. We're going to have any help from God in the promised land. We're going to be in the wilderness. You know, you're going to be in a place that, that it's hard for God to get help to you. No matter who we are. And that's why growth is, is so important. You can have a child born into this world that's got great potential. It's got potential to become a president of the United States of America. But if the child doesn't grow up, what happens? Not going to fulfill. Not going to achieve great things. Well, the same thing, the kingdom is in our hearts. The faith of God is inside of our heart. It has potential to reproduce after its own kind. The kingdom of God and the faith of God inside of our heart to reproduce after its own kind, to go in and so we can use that faith to possess that land of promise. The inheritance that we have in there, no sickness, no disease, no calamities, all, all these things. But like I said, there's going to come a time in our life that we're going to stand face to face with that. We need to use our individual faith to get in there. And what we do in this growing season, in this time of growth, is going to determine how we act when we get face to face with that. And if we don't act right, we're going to have to go back to that drawing board, repent and, and, and say, Father God, God's not just going to put His hand down and increase our faith. He's not going to do that. Faith is not increased that way. He's talking about a growing faith, a growing, the process of growth. 
So don't get discouraged when things don't happen overnight or instantly. Because your faith will grow and develop and grow and develop and grow and develop and grow and develop all along the way. That's that time, of, time period we get to get acquainted with our Father and start learning all the things that have been provided for us and start seeing Canaan's land and start finding out all the provisions that we have. You know, well, look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God. By who? All the promises, all the provisions of God, all that He has offered us, all that He has already provided for us, the provisions have been made. But you see, all of them are in Him, and they are yea and amen in Him, as far as God is concerned, under the glory of God, but by who? By us. This one woman, what she did was she used her faith... To call upon the power of God or the provision of God that has been provided for her. And when she did use her faith, she released the power of God and that fellow ran out the door. Well, the other one didn't understand that. And I do not belittle her in any way, shape, form or fashion. Not at all. I love her as much as I love the other. And I would, would to God that that would have never happened under her. But I'll tell you what, I would pray that she would get to a place where she could learn that if that ever tried, someone ever tried to do that again, that she could stand there and in Jesus' name rebuke that foul devil. And be delivered and be set free and be divinely protected. Because you see, if we don't use our faith and cause it to branch out in every area of life, so brother so and so could could, you know, get divine healing and they're they're being successful. I remember Smith Wigglesworth saying, one of the greatest men of God walking upon the face of the earth since the Apostle Paul, delivering and healing so many, said or finances is not my line of faith. It's not my area of faith. But you see, it's been a progressive thing. We've learned more about that. And, and he, could have, he could have learned how to believe God for finances. Why not? Faith is, comes, comes by hearing him by the Word of God. It's there. But he, he just, you know, focused in on one area, the, the area of divine healing. And his faith grew to a place that he can, you know, he had great faith when it came to that area, to getting somebody else healed. So you see, your faith can be developed in different areas. And beloved, the only way to get the seed to plant inside your heart a divine life, which is divine faith inside you, revelation faith, is by going to God's Word, seeing what He has provided for us, opening up your Bible to find out all the provisions. Let's do that. We've got to do it real quick. Would you go back to Exodus chapter 23? Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 7. I'm going to go through these real quick. We're running out of time. I'm, uh, Deuteronomy 7 also. Exodus 23 first. They were told that when they came to that land that there wouldn't be inhabitants in that land, other nations inhabiting the land. But they were also told that not to fear them because God would send His angels before their face and drive them out. Little by little. And in verse 25, You shall serve the Lord your God and He shall bless your bread and your water and take, away, take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before you and the people, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make the enemies turn their backs unto thee, and so on and so forth. He'll drive them out little by little, little by little. But go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and, and again, you know, this is repeated. But I want you to see something different in here. And verse 12. 
I'd like to back up, but we're going quick. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swore unto thy fathers. He will love you, bless you, multiply you, also bless the, bless the fruit of your womb and fruit of your land and corn and all that. Verse 14, thou shalt be blessed above all people. There won't be any male or female barren among you. Now, see, that doesn't, doesn't just happen just because you're a Christian, you're a good Christian. That doesn't just happen because of that. The provision has been made, but we've got to tap into it. We've got to draw it out by faith. Now, keep on. Or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. That's, again, the same thing. It's there, but it's in the land. And once again, that doesn't just fall out of the sky. That's something we do by faith. The promise is yea and amen. And thou shalt... And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, lay them upon all that hate thee. And thou shalt consume the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee, and thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, and so on. Go on down to verse 17. If thou shalt say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Now, I want you to see some instruction here. He's talking about when you see Canaan's land and you see all the blessings that are in that land and you begin to get vision of it and you see you have a hope or desire that you want these things in your personal life. He says, you're going to see some giants in the land and you're going to see some obstacles in your way. You're going to see some roadblocks in your way and it might cause your heart to fear. But if you see that happen, verse 18, thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Now, the first thing he said was, was when you see that land and you see you want the blessings that are in that land, no miscarriages, no sickness, no disease, all that, there's going to be many giants in that land that keep you out of that kind of fullness of God. The blessings and the promise of God, the fullness of God, the provision of God and the fullness of the provision of God is the direct result of walking in the fullness of God. For the promises are in Him. When I start walking in the fullness of Him, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of Him, Jesus, then the provisions will be in manifestation in the fullness. But there will be giants in the land that keep you out of being divinely protected when somebody comes to do something to you. There'll be a giant in the land to keep you away from, from, from health and healing. And you'll look at it and you'll say, oh, this is too much. Look at those giants that are in the land and my heart's going to start to fear. That's, that's what he said. And if that happens, he says, then I want you to remember what I did to, to Pharaoh, to the kingdom of darkness. I want you to go back and remember all that I did. So don't go forward until you remember something. And to put it in, in, in our day, he's saying, what I want you to do, I want you to go back and remember. When you see that you need a healing in your body or you see that you need protection or you need, you need Help in any, any way, you know, whatever the provision might be. If you see that you can't have a baby and you want to, if you see that, you know, there's a chance you might miscarry and you don't want to miscarry, and you, he says, I want you to go back and see what I did to Pharaoh, to the kingdom of darkness and all that. I want you to begin to see the provision that was made for you. I want you to see the enemy as a defeated foe. I want you to see that you have the faith to go in and possess that land because I'm on your side. Next verse. The great temptations with thine eyes saw, and the signs and wonders in the mighty hand of the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. In other words, beloved, what Jesus has done to the devil in destroying him and putting him to naught, 
When you begin to start walking forward to get into the promised land and start saying healing is mine and protection is mine and prosperity is mine and all these things are mine, direction is mine, I need a travel guide, I need all these things and grow up and it looks like you can't make it, don't stand there and say we can't possess the land. Don't stand there and say, well, it looks like this is too hard for us to enter into. Don't do that. He says go back and start remembering some things. Remember what I did to the devil back then and remember also I'll do it to the... To what? The effects of it. See, the, the devil's been defeated, beloved. And those fears are coming. That's like in the realm of the soul. They're coming your way. They're coming our way to keep us in that wilderness. They're coming to keep us to a place that we don't grow. But he says, you remember what I did. Look to, the, look to Calvary. Look what Jesus did. Look how he destroyed the devil, how he bore all that stuff. And he says, and then I will do the same thing to those things that are in the land. I'll drive out the nation one by one. Get a seed of faith that says, by his stripes I was healed. Put it inside your heart. Nurture it. Be a farmer. Get inside you in such a way that it grows to mountain-moving faith. And when the obstacles come in your way... Just remember what Jesus did to the devil. And you say, now I adjure thee in Jesus' name. You're going to have to go. And the Lord says, I'll do it. I'll drive that thing out of you. I'll drive it out of the land of your life. I'll drive it out. I'll do it like I did to the devil. And whatever the fear might be, you have fear of this. Get a hold of a seed of the Word of God. Put that seed inside your heart. Let the faith of God rise up inside you to a place of great faith. The reason why people don't have faith in every area is because they don't get the seeds in every area and put it inside the heart. Nurture it, water it, take care of it. Protection is yours. Provision is yours. Healing is yours. Prosperity is yours. Guidance is yours. All these things belong to us. But they come by the way of seeds. I want my children protected. Get a hold of the seed of God's Word. Put inside your heart. Receive the engrafted Word. Get our minds delivered and renewed. Delivered from that corrupt reasoning faculties that God is doing all these things. And let's start to recognize that it's not God. It's the devil that's trying to keep us out of the promised land. And recognize He's moving on our behalf. And that faith can go to a place that will branch out in every area of our life and it will dispel the fear. It will get rid of the darkness. It will cause us to get in there and I mean overtake the land. So let's, let's realize something. Just because you have great faith to be healed, let's say right now, or get your child healed. Every time I pray for my child, they're healed. That doesn't mean you have great faith to pray for somebody else in that area. doesn't mean you have great faith to receive a financial blessing. doesn't mean you have great faith to protect yourself from somebody trying to assail you. doesn't mean that. How will I get great faith for that? Same way as a seed. And it won't happen overnight. Take those scriptures of protection. Put them inside your heart. No evil will happen unto me. I am the righteous. No weapon formed against me will prosper. For the angels have charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. They will bear me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. It's my Father's will to deliver me from this present evil age. And my pathway is life. And there is no death. Glory be to God. And say it. And nurture it. And water it. And say it. And God give it the whole glory the increase. Then it becomes, it produces after its own kind. What? The God kind of faith. The God kind of faith. It's the seed of it that produces it inside. It takes over the corners of your heart and you start saying to that sycamine tree, go. And it goes. See, that's how it works. So once we've tackled one area, we go to another area, we keep on refreshing ourselves and before you know it, we go in there and we take the land. By faith. Hope is the desire that sees the land. Faith is the force that gets us into the land to possess the land and love keeps us dwelling in the land. See, any advancement or progress that we make in, in the kingdom of God is going to be an advancement because faith will be working by love to bring into manifestation the desires or the hopes that we have of attaining in that promised land. Hope, faith, and love are the three forces that we'll use to get into that land and possess all that's in that land.
Well, there's so much, so much, so much. I want to take a night tonight to just start in the beginning from this thing. And if it took us two hours to get into it and just, just step by step, line upon line, precept, we're going to pick a night and do that. Go ahead, the Father has some different ideas, but we're, we're going to do that. We're going to show step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, how each and every individual can get a hold of the seed of God's Word. Put it in that area. Put it inside your, your heart. Put it in there. We'll find out what, what the growing season is. We'll find out what the possessing of the land is. Find out the delivering part where we got delivered from, you know, Satan's kingdom. And, and show the type and the shadow in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the type and the shadow, that we should fear less the promise of, of us being left to enter in, that we don't enter into it because of the same heart of unbelief, that we don't believe and we don't act upon the Word of God. And you see, you just can't say, Lord, increase my faith. He's just not going to do that. It takes a seed that has to be developed and grow inside you. Then it will overcome you and branch out in every area of your life. And then you'll overtake the land. That's the process of God. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.